to On Aeon, a podcast featuring conversations between colleagues on, well, Aeon. This week, we hear from Marina Svandriel about the importance of resiliency. And now, this week's host, Alex Lewis. Welcome to On Aeon. And today, we're delving into one of the hottest topics of today, resiliency. I'm Alex Lewis, and I am thrilled to be joined here today by Marina Svandrill from our Human Capital Solutions team, who's going to help us discover a little bit more about what resilience means and how you can learn some top tips on improving yours going forwards. Marina, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Alex. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. And, and how have you been? How have you been in enjoying the, the glorious weather? What have you been up to? Doing really, really well um, and, uh, and, and thoroughly enjoying the work that we're doing both at Aon and with our clients at the moment. Excellent. And of course, your work is so incredibly important today when companies across the world, across different sectors are absolutely dedicated to helping their colleagues navigate this volatility and these ups and and downs. So when it comes to resiliency, it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but it's incredibly important. So what's your interpretation of that? Absolutely. I think you're, you're spot on. Um, it really, it is a buzzword. Um, and, and it's something that is coming up in just about every, every client conversation that we have when we start talking about things like returning to the workplace or hybrid working or remote working, um, or generally just recovering from where we've been in the last couple of, couple of months. Um, for me, fundamentally, resilience comes down to a simple concept, just the ability to bounce back amid adversity, um, and then also to provide the baseline conditions for, 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 for helping people thrive in the long run. And, um, and I think if you, you can overcomplicate it, and, you know, put a whole lot of other elements and, and, and components to, to, to a technical definition. But for me personally, in the work that I do, that's really how I would define, define resilience, both for people and for, for organizations. Well, the ability to thrive is a fantastic, positive approach to have. And of course, you have a a wonderful job title of an industrial and organizational psychologist. So how do you take your expertise in that area and apply it? And perhaps you can share um, with our audience today some, some top tips on how they can individually be resilient. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, and like I, like I shared in our in our daily work um, at the moment, we're helping clients think through um, how to manage through things like returning back to the workplace and or how to manage remote workforces. And and obviously, those are very very complex issues with um, with many different starting points. I had a client. The other, the other day described it to me as being a bit of a spaghetti bowl. And I was like, yeah, no, you're right. It is. So how, how do you begin um, or where do you start? What are the most compelling things that you can do? So the approach that we've taken is that we, we really um, look for that, that most sensible starting point by looking at data. So for instance, we can look at the data that we have about an organization's workforce. What kind of jobs can be done remotely? Which jobs can be done in the office? What are the propensity of certain jobs to to, to be done more effectively remotely? And um, how does that then play into real estate decisions and things of that nature? But all of that really comes down to data about a workforce, the company, and where they want to go. And then based on, on that kind of 
baseline information, we then set guardrails with our clients to then figure out what are the go forward principles that they want to embrace moving forward. And then we start working to align people to those principles as well and understanding what folks' preferences are. Obviously, we've we've all had shifts in our own values and and, and our own views on the world and where we want to work. Um, and, and then, um, you know, obviously based on those shifts, organizations then have to optimally, optimally fit their people into, you know, whatever the new reality is that they will create for, for themselves and their employees. And then moving a kind of a couple of steps ahead, and there are lots of companies who have already done that baseline work, then it becomes a question around how do you arrange the work, workplace to support new ways of working? How do you set up um, team working arrangements for folks to, to share office space in a given day? Um, when do people need to be in the office? How, how should the office be used? Um, you know, addressing topics like that becomes critically important. And then the last element really is, and I think this is yet another buzzword, but it's an important one. It's, it's creating a, a compelling employee experience. So every employee needs to feel that they have a, a place and a space in the organization to excel moving forward. And that an organization is providing the baseline conditions for that to happen. So you mentioned the, the new reality. What, where have you seen some of those biggest shifts for companies? What were those new ways of working where you've seen most demands that companies are, are really you know, seizing these new opportunities to work more efficiently and effectively? Well, I think across industries, um, remote working is here to stay. Um, and, and the, the big topic of the moment, if I, if I can put it that way, is figuring out what that means for, for, for a given organization. So obviously there are industry nuances and company specific nuances to that. But I think the common thread really is, is figuring out what does remote working look like? And I think that the, the trend that we're seeing really is that hybrid work in some way, shape or form. Um, will become sort of the new reality where folks are in the office maybe two, three, four, five days out of the week, you know, depending on your job. But it really comes down to figuring out what that what that working arrangement needs to look like. And you know, one of the um, early on in this journey, what we what we saw is that a lot of organizations were thinking about um, the the efficiency gains in terms of using their real estate. Um, so we know, for instance, organizations like like Salesforce and a couple of others that have um, offices in really, really high rent areas are subleasing their spaces to others um, because they're just going, well, maybe we don't need this space. Um, but as we're as we've kind of continued on on um, on down the road, I think. Uh, we, we've also seen that um, remote working is something that needs to be managed in a way that is very organic um, and enables people to to really still connect with one another and maintain an organization's culture. And, and I think that's really the critical evolution that we have to make now, you know, as we're shifting into a new reality is figuring out for ourselves, how can we continue doing the things that we were doing really great in the past, but how can we do it in a new way and maintain our organization's cultures? And how are you best advising on how we make that balance between effective ways of working, but also the, the well-being of colleagues as well? Alex, it's a great question. Um, so I think for me, it comes down to, to organizations really providing um, a basic sense of security to their employees, but also making sure that folks feel like they're belonging. 
to the organization. Um, and then also creating a great, um, compelling vision for the future. So I think those are kind of like the, 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 the baseline things that, that I would recommend. Um, but then in addition to that, I think organizations also really do need to invest in, in employee well-being. Um, and the reason for this is just that we've seen that organizations that have made investments in, in, in people's well-being really, really see massive upticks in folks living healthier lives, um, being more productive at work, and also having better work-life balance. Um, and I think those things are all really, really critical to make sure that, that folks keep on doing well and that organiza organizations keep on doing well by doing good for their people. Totally. And it's fantastic that we have colleagues such as yourself that can spread this advice and guidance to companies across the world. And, and it's been brilliant to see that Aon has, I think, really taken on some of that advice and guidance in, in the way um, that you know, our colleagues have been working, networking, getting to know each other a little bit more over the last few months and you know, really helped to augment that sense of culture and well-being across the firm. But in addition to obviously this great advice that you, you offer out to companies, what, what advice do you take on board yourself individually? What are some of those ways that you find to stay motivated and, and energized? Yeah, well, I think for me, it comes down to a couple of really, really practical things. I think practicing self-care is kind of number one on, on my list. Um, and, and, and I think that for me has, has, has come to, uh, come to the fore in, in some interesting ways. So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, like many folks, I felt like, um, the boundaries between work and life were, were kind of blurred and, um, and I just had to find some ways to, to kind of, um, create a little bit of separation. And, and I think a lot of folks have, have done similar things. So um, one of the very simple things that I've done is on weekends, I put my phone in a drawer and I don't look at it until a Monday morning. And, and that's been really, really helpful for me. Um, and, and then also, um, I've also been able to, to engage in a lot of the activities that I, that, I, that I love doing that I previously didn't have time to do because I was traveling quite a bit. And, um, and I found that really um, being intentional about um, seeking out some of the things that I enjoy doing has been really beneficial for me as well. And, um, and then the last thing that I'll share is just um, I've been fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of folks with, with similar experiences and similar learnings, um, but everybody's learning has been a, bit, been a little bit different. So I've chatted with a lot of my colleagues that have been very generous with their time and advice about how they've managed through, through things. And um, that's been incredibly powerful for me just to kind of learn what others are doing and learn from, from spots where they may have knocked their heads and places where they where they found some personal light, you know, and 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 ways to to uh, to energize themselves. I think there's some amazing top tips there. Firstly, don't be afraid to lock your phone away. Secondly, <laughs> discover, rekindle your previous activities, hobbies, perhaps find some new ones as well. And thirdly, I love that point about just have a conversation, be open about your experiences and, and learn from others as well. And it's some, some great, great tips um, our listeners can, can take on board there. 
And, and just to wrap up, um, you're, of course, from South Africa originally, so I expect you're quite used to traveling. You've mentioned you've decreased that slightly now. But when we do have a little bit more flexibility in travel, where would you most love to go and visit? Oh, yeah. Well, um, to your point about decreasing travel, um, it went from being a, a constant in my life to being a, 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 an absolute um, elimination of travel, which has been a big shift. Um, but yeah, in terms of traveling, um, yeah, I, my, my family's still in South Africa, so I'd love to go see them. Um, obviously, there's concern right now around the, the variance, variance of the of the, uh, the 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 COVID nineteen strain that have that have developed over the last couple of, couple of months, and uh, so that's still a little bit a little bit of a ways off into the future for us. Um, so that's high on my list of places to go. Um, a second one um, that just was a nice surprise here for the last couple of months. Um, I have a big birthday coming up this year, so my wife spoiled me with a fly fishing trip to Montana. So um, uh, so we're we're gonna we're gonna get do a little bit of a little bit of that, you know, provided everything is, is good and well in the world later on the summer. And uh, yeah, and then there are a couple of aspirational destinations that have always been on a list that I've never made it to, which are some some far, far flung and remote spots in the, uh, in the in the South Pacific. So maybe one day we'll be able to go there as well. Lots of possible adventures ahead there. And, and happy birthday in advance. I hope you have a fantastic fly fishing trip. Uh, very interesting. I do know that there is a, a Yammer group for Aeon of fellow fly fishers. So maybe oh. that's a good opportunity for you to further network uh, with a few more colleagues there and, and share your experiences of fishing across the world. I will definitely have to find that Yammer group, Alex. <laughs> This has been a conversation on Aeon and the importance of resiliency. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this week's episode, tune in in two weeks for a conversation about Gray Swan events and how crises impact businesses. To learn more about Aeon, its employees, solutions, and news, check out our show notes and visit our website at aeon.com. 